for self is continuous self-development and really finding your own path and, and having a foundation for your profession that guides you on your path is congruent. So that that's where I see caring science as a, as a foundation to align your personal journey, your passion, your intellect, your more ideals with your calling. Have you ever felt the stirring in your heart that you were called to do something greater than you are doing now? Or respond to a burning desire in your heart? Or maybe make a difference in a particular area or someone's life? Or is there a restlessness that stirs in your soul? Well, I'd like to welcome you to When the Moment Chooses You podcast. I am your host, Charlene Johnson, also known as Coach Charlene. This podcast will engage in compassionate, courageous conversations because I believe in your personal development, creating and inspiring destiny moments because every heartbeat truly matters. You will hear stories of change agents and trailblazers that dare to dream and not accept the status quo. Through hearing these stories, I truly believe that it will reignite the flame of passion and move you from just talking and thinking about it to actually being about it. We are all on our journeys of self-discovery. So be empowered as we inspire you to tap into the highest expression of yourself. Let's join the podcast. Hello, and welcome to When the Moment Chooses You. And I am extremely honored today to have the one and only Dr. Jean Watson with me today. It's a heart moment right now for me because in 2010, I was burnt out. I was frustrated. And I was ready to leave nursing. But my organization adopted Jane Watson's Caring Science. And that absolutely transformed my life. And I became another person. I finally had a language to operate the way that I was operating. And so I'm extremely honored. And I call Jane my visionary because she has truly put the light on the inside of me so that I can continue pursuing my dream. So thank you, Jane, oh, for being here today. My honor and privilege, Coach Charlene. <laughs> hey, yours was the first one that I had that was coach, a Caritas coach. Okay. So that was exciting. And so now, Jeans, tell us a little bit. First of all, wait, I'm not going to read your bio, but I must talk about the fact that in 2013, you were inducted as a living legend. And that is phenomenal. So, Jean, let's jump right into the conversation. How did it all begin for you? Well, there's such a long journey. But in my nursing education, I went through a diploma program and was always felt disconnected between what I was experiencing with patients and what I was being taught, which was very procedures and tasks and what I would refer to now as kind of an absolutist paradigm, a life and death, very concrete and very um, objective. 
And when I was in psychiatric nursing, I had my experience uh, for three months at a state hospital. This was, I was in Virginia, and my uh, psychiatric nursing was in Maryland at the Spring Grove State Hospital. And I had this beautiful experience of being uh, received and being open to respond to, from my heart, so to speak, or my consciousness, my presence to what was happening in a group because they was very progressive at that time. They were doing experimental work with LSD. They had group therapy. They were doing a very interdisciplinary work. Everybody on the team was part of the group therapy. So anyway, I had a very positive experience. And I've told this story before that one of my, well, I was then exposed to the contrast between an absolutist paradigm to a more relativistic paradigm and was really in nursing school. I had no concepts, no philosophy, no uh, expanded invitation to think about the phenomena that we were actually experiencing every day and taking care of patients. But here for the first time in psychiatric nursing, I was exposed to understanding theories and philosophies and values and the complexities and all the vicissitudes of our humanity, and uh, it opened up my heart to that phenomena and that contrast to give me hope for another way of really elevating nursing. And at that time, one of my instructors was getting her doctorate in nursing from either Boston College or Boston University, and I can't remember now, because I think Boston College or Boston University eventually closed their nursing program, but at that time, I think they had them both ways. In any event, I didn't know there was such a thing existed. So I just was like amazed that you could get a doctorate in nursing. And I thought, oh, that's what's needed to elevate this profession and really elevate these phenomena in our humanity, our shared humanity, and understand you, understanding of health and illness and so forth. So that put me on my path, so to speak. So once I finished nursing school, I was totally committed to getting additional education. And it just pursued, pursued, pursued until I got my PhD. And during my PhD studies, then I was exposed again to the, to the concept of phenomenology. And that was very progressive at the time because nobody was really using that terminology. And it opened my heart, but it also gave me a language. It gave me a language of a phenomena I already understood, but I didn't have a word for it. And I think yes. that's the secret to what's happening in nursing. We are all experiencing these amazing caring, healing experiences and these relationships with patients and these caring moments. And we're touching the soul of another person that we never know how we're touching their life and their, their being and, and their suffering. And yet we don't have a language to capture this importance of caring. So everything is focused on all the external treatment and the physical diagnosis and the symptoms rather than the person who's experiencing it. So uh, the contrast between the objective and the subjective and the intersubjective and having language that actually gave voice and informed moral passion to actually move nursing to a higher level and grounded in philosophy and values and ethics and language that uh, help us to define our phenomena. So that really was part of my journey. And then after my PhD, I joined the faculty at the University of Colorado 
And again, it was all this advancement under that absolutist paradigm, under that very reductionistic subset. We were a subset of medicine, trying to catch up with medicine. And I like pause. No, no. Why are we here in the university? Why are we in an academic, major academic health science center when we are not a subset of medical science? What is air science? There was no meaningful philosophical foundation to underpin the developments that were happening. So that gave me the kind of the passion, if you will, as well as the call and the drive to give voice and language. And that's when I did that first book called The Philosophy and Science of Caring for Nursing. And um, it never stopped because I, I, there's always more to learn. There's always more to uncover. There's always more to, because if we're talking about humanity. There's no end to it. And it's yes. way ahead of me. It's ahead of all of us. And so I'm trying to catch up with my own calling, so to speak, the, the journey that pulls us into the depths of our humanity and our relationship with this nature and our broader world today and the planet Earth, and the divine mother, and the divine divinity of our being. So that, yes. too, intersects with what exactly you're doing, Charlotte, which is so beautiful. Yes, and um, wow, that was just a lot. Now, that calling, that calling that calls you into being versus doing, that has been such a game changer in my life to be there with another human being, spirit to spirit. I have learned so much from your theory. And even, Jean, in the last two years, I've been implementing those principles. Mm-hmm. Puritas process number one. <laughs> practice of you loving know, kindness, yes. To practice loving kindness. I had some very mean, negative words spoken to me oh, sure. that could have wounded me. Yes. But guess what I did? I practiced loving kindness. I loved beyond humanity in that moment, in that transformed that person. And so I just absolutely honor you. Now, I wanted to ask you about, um, has this journey been easy for you? Well, you know, it's interesting to flash back on it. It's been a challenge, but it's also been kind of a, Exciting journey, because <laughs> I feel a little bit of mischievousness, you know, to be able to stir things up a little bit. And I always had this sense that I was in the system, but not of it. And that gave me kind of this inner sense of direction that wasn't oppressive in making me follow the, the usual path. So that um, helped me to, to kind of transcend or ride out the negativity. and. Even as a dean, I remember I was the only woman administrator in the entire University of Colorado for campus system at that time. All the deans, the chancellors, the regents, no one was, everybody was a man except for me. And I had to make a case for nursing. But what happened was as soon as I translated nursing, especially for our president at that time, who was Arnold Weber, very brilliant, most brilliant man I've ever known. And I 
interpreted nursing for him as caring and healing and health. And we had a responsibility to develop knowledge and practice of caring and healing and health as much as medicine has a responsibility to develop medical science and interventions, etc. And he got it immediately. And he mm-hmm. began to support my vision. And he would come and speak off the cuff about the importance of nursing and why, you know, this caring was as important as curing and healing. And then eventually, then of course, but the system was very um, challenging. And even as a dean, uh, my um, chancellor at that time agreed. He wanted to support me, but he didn't always agree or understand. But what I did, I went outside the system and I got a very prominent visiting board. I mean, really, Neil Nottings from Stanford and the Earl Bakken, who was head of Medtronics and started the first pacemaker. You know, really prominent people, Vice President Blue Cross and Blue Shield. They were really supportive. And they um, and they supported this vision of nursing as caring and healing and health and worked with me very closely. So I was able to make a case. And plus, we were developing new programs. We developed the first doctor of nursing practice program before the doctor of nursing practice. We it was called the ND, the Doctor of Nursing. And it we was the first public university to develop that program. But we had no fund that the state would not fund us for that program. So I went to five hospitals in the state and they were partners. And then we got funding from the Fold Health Trust. And that's how we launched that program. And these hospitals at that time committed to working with us to create new professional practice roles and experiment with new models of practice. So that was very revolutionary. So in some ways, I was restricted and I had challenges, but I also kind of transcended them. And I remember, and this is really interesting because I had to go through all the rigor rigor of the uh, interdisciplinary campus of the Health Science Center to make a case for this new proposal. And it was all approved. All the other physicians and you know the other departments approved this program. And it was ready to go to the Board of Regents. And I walked out of the room and ran into the chief executive officer of our own university hospital at that time. And he told me, Jean, I'm sorry, I made a decision. We're not going to be one of your sponsors for this program. Our own university hospital. It was appalling. And I said, wow. well, how can that be? I mean, you're part of our system. You spend millions of dollars to support medical science, but not nursing. But what happened? You talk about miracles. Yes. I had a meeting and an hour later at a, hospital, a local hospital, community hospital, to experiment and explain, explain to them this new uh, clinical teaching practice model that we created between faculty and clinical nurses. And the chief executive officer was in the meeting. And I thought, well, that's kind of strange. But anyway, I went through the whole thing about what we were creating, these new practice models with faculty and students and and clinical nurses. And he stopped me and he says, Jean, I'm sorry, but um, I just didn't want to know about the ND program. We would like to be one of your sponsors. And he said, I have to go to another meeting. Tell me how much it costs. And that's all I need to know because we're one of your part. We want to be one of your partners. I was late. So I went back to my office and that was the day. So you had to white out (laughs) and change the 
one of the sponsors and put it in this hospital instead of Aaron University Hospital. And of course, I but I had I had prominent administrators, vice chancellors in the system tell me, said, Gene, there's no way in hell, excuse me, you're gonna get this program. Why don't you give it up? And I said, Well, I don't know that's the case. Faculty voted on this, this is their future. Where should we be in the year two thousand? This was that era in the eighties. So anyway, those were some of the challenges, but also some of the miracles that happen when you follow your calling and your purpose. And look where yeah. nursing is now. Look where nursing is now. Exactly. Like, oh my gosh, exactly. you know. So Well, and I like how you talked about that dichotomy of positive, negative, joy, sadness. Yeah. It's really interesting because if you really think about the last two years, have been extremely challenging. Yes. But on the other side, yes. it's been quite lovely. Yes. And so I can't explain that phenomenon, but I'm experiencing it. Well, it's all one. It. It's all one, you know. Yes. It's like pain and joy side by side. They're all one. And yes. And, you know, um, Curitas process number five yes. has been so powerful especially over the last two years. I was able to do some listening sessions and allow negative expressions and positive to live together, which I thought brought transformation. So I've been able to even use these Caritas processes and EID work, equity, inclusion, and diversity. And so it's been so profound because when you can listen to another person's story, which is really what the caring moment is. It's so powerful. So I just think there's a cutting edge opportunity for this connection so that we can see another human being beyond their face. Exactly. And every single human being in the world needs to be seen. Every single human needs to be heard. Every single person in the world needs to know they matter and what they have to say matters and what they're experiencing matters. And when we are able to listen and hold that sacred space to hear another person's story, it maybe helps them to hear themselves for the first time because they're so busy with all the inner scripts. You just hold that silent space. It's a very powerful gift of healing. And also it's a reminder that their story could be our story. Yes. Everyone is connected to everybody else. So one person's level of humanity reflects on the other. So if we are pushing down another person, we're also pushing down ourselves. It's that mutuality of oneness that um, is really a a healing gift for all of us. Well, so I have a question about the last few years, since I keep referring to it. I know a lot of my colleagues, a lot of my nurses are at the breaking point. And I'm just wondering, is there anything that you can help us and encourage us with? Well, it's, we're at a crossroads. We're at a real, really critical crossroads. You know, it takes about a hundred years for a profession to mature and come of age as a distinct discipline in its own right. And we're at that critical turning point. We're either going to be very good technicians and conform to the dominance system that's going to change because humanity is changing, or we're going to be mature practitioners of care and healing and health. And we're at that cutting edge. And right now, for hospitals, 
that are actually creating space for nurses to advance their care and healing and health practices. There's the ones that are able to retain nurses, allow nurses to practice their own profession, and allow them to have career options to advance, give some purpose and meaning when they have a theory, a philosophy, a value system that affirms them and confirms what it, why they're even there. That's Those are the systems that are going to keep nurses. Those that are not, the nurses are leaving. And maybe they need to leave. We need to leave because it's like a disruptive time. And when you have this disruption, you have to have something new creating. But the history of not just these last two years, but the history of hospitals and nursing has been really to um, fix it up by externally or scripting or doing these kind of false inauthentic practices without any consciousness of how it's affecting the people in the system. But the change has to come from the human spirit and the creativity of the humans in the system. And we have to invite them in with purpose and meaning and a structure of such as a theory or a explicit value system or language that help them define and actualize their phenomena that they've been practicing on the, on the side on ad hoc all these years and now suddenly they have to have permission to actually advance that because we have to have the balance of caring and healing and health to as a dialectic with medical science and intervention so the systems have all been oriented toward these technical medicalization of our institutions now we have to bring the humans back in and humanize it but we can't do it by just kind of giving false you know sugarcoating it Yes. It has to be an authentic change that invites the people for their own change. And that's where the theory, like you say, I went, you went through this yourself and that changed you. And when you change individually, you're changing the system. We're in a quantum universe. So if any one part changes, it's going to affect the whole. And so this is a challenge and a wonderful opportunity for nursing to give voice language and form moral action to a new, new way of being and actually practicing and being, becoming, to help the system as well as themselves and the patients and society. And it radiates all the way out. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of something that you said in one of your books about um, really we educate, we research who we are. Yes. And so as a caregiver, it's critical for me to do the work, the spiritual work, the personal work. And I think that I, my journey has been, I'm going to be the best human being that I can be. And so when Caring Science came in, it gave me the language, the, the practices um, to be able to execute while I'm at work. And so it's been so fulfilling because when you can touch a life and it transform a moment, yes, oh my God, it's amazing. I still, the miracle story that happened yes. when I kind of awakened, I remember that. the little boy is 10. Oh my goodness. And he's still phenomenal. Oh. And so that family still keeps in touch, even though... I don't really keep in touch as much. Yes. It's beautiful to transform our heart Absolutely. and to actually believe enough. Yes. Like just this one part with this miracle story. I don't think that I would have done what I did if I didn't know Caritas Process 10 oh, to yes. be open for miracles. Oh, and so I really believe if we can get this more integrated into our systems, yes. I mean, really integrated, exactly. really put yes. the money toward it yes. to get the nurses what they need. Yes. 
then we will save our profession. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I heard you talk about the seven sutras. <laughs> yeah. The seven sutras. That is rich because in December, <laughs> yes. I got to another low point. Um, I had just finished my master's, mm-hmm. was feeling burnt out again. And then you pop up with the seven sutras. Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> and it was perfect, though, because it gave language to what I had to do oh. without knowing that. Oh. So I took some time off and I was silent. Oh. I got still. And in that stillness became clarity. And so share with us those seven sutras for me. Well, this emerged in the middle of the night. I woke up because I was working on a new edition of Carrying Signs of Sacred Science. Like, well, why is it, you know, really it is sacred. And I thought, well, I'm doing this work now again, and I've never shared what are my sacred practices. And in that first book, I had mentioned the word sutras. And sutra is actually a very ancient concept from uh, Indian philosophy. And um, it's uh, highly, uh, like a one or two words that are highly charged with spiritual meaning and energy, but they're not the word itself. They're pointing towards something even deeper that's, you know, beyond like the God consciousness, so to speak. So I woke up like, well, what are my what are my sutras? What are my practices? And that's when I name them. Just stillness. I mean, just being still is, just be still. It's so powerful. And then you have silence. And if you're really silent in that stillness, it is so powerful because you're, you could almost hear the roar of silence. And then you're in solitude to experience this. Because away from all the scripts in the outer world and oppression, chaos. And then you hear spirit. And then you're guided. And then from that, you have simplicity to really hone down what's really important and kind of let go of that which is cluttering our mind and our work. And then from there, it's service, and it's sacred service. And that's what nursing offers, is sacred service to humanity. And then from that, it's surrender, because we don't have all the answers. So those are my sutras, and actually I'm doing a book now of a collection of sutras that nurses are sharing their sutra practices is their self-caring, is their way to sustain their connection with spirit or that which is greater than ourselves because this work is greater than ourselves. We're here to, uh, you know, holding another person's life in our hands and holding our own life in our hands. So it's a beautiful reminder that caring science is sacred science, but we have to have our own individual practices. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I I was doing those and didn't know I was doing those. And that's when I read them. I was like, oh, my God, here we go again. <laughs> but the good news about this is no matter where you are, no matter how dark it's gotten, there is light. And all you have to do is tap into this wonderful theory 
to feed and nourish your soul so that you can be your authentic self. And so um, with that being said, for our last thing, I always ask, what would Jean's top three pearls of wisdom be for maybe a person and then an organization? What would be my top three wisdoms? Wisdoms to give the audience. For self and for systems. Yes. Well, for self is continuous self-development and really finding your own path and, and having a foundation for your profession that guides you on your path is congruent. So that that's where I see caring science as a, as a foundation to align your personal journey, your passion, your intellect, your more ideals with your calling. And actually, then that directly affects the system. And the system, therefore, if you're able to give voice and language and articulate what it is that we have to do and why we're there, shifting from this doing to this relational way of being and relation with self and others, and changing that system from inside out. That's the wisdom for the system is to create an institutional framework where nurses can practice nursing. And that means a total transformation of self and system from the inside out. And that inc- it's, it's a metaphor for self, transforming self from inside out. It's not coming from the outside. You can fix up all the stuff you want, but it has to be a personal journey. And then the system has to go through its um, self and system transformation from within, using the creativity, the intellectual, the moral ideas of, of why we even exist. Why are we here? Why does the hospital exist? And it's also a reminder that we have to wake up. We cannot continue to survive as humans or a planet in the path that we have taken with this dominant separatist worldview that we have been working under. And it's also a post-hospital era. So wake up hospitals. And maybe this pandemic has been a reminder that people are going to go outside of the hospital, whether they're nurses or whether they're patients. So something else has to happen, totally transformation of healthcare system, because we do not have a healthcare system to, to be to be truthful about in our in our culture, in our country. We need universal health coverage. That's a clear well, Yeah, well, thank you so much. Um, one other thing. I remember seeing you, Linda Ackerman, Jim D'Alfonso, um, all of the wonderful doctors at our last Caritas consortium that we did in person. Yes. And I was listening. And at the time, I had no desire to go back to school to get my master's. And when I see, I saw all of you guys up there, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And it just like burned up inside of me. And I was like, you know what? I'm doing it. I'm going back. So thank you again for that. We have so many heart moments, Uh, even though I'm not with you. I'm constantly um, just doing the work. Uh, When you commissioned us to go, Jean, as Caritas coaches, my life has never been the same. I've been the light in institutional darkness. So thank you. God bless you. Thank you for you. God bless. Mm. Love you.
Okay. Anything, any way that the people outside can get in touch with you, if any physician or system see you? Yes, you can reach me at Jean, J-A-N, at WatsonCaringScience.org, or you can go to my website, which is WatsonCaringScience.org, and find a lot of programs and options, and I can be invited individually, as well as we have programs to the Institute to serve and help people. So. Great. Okay. And as you say, namaste. Namaste. God bless. Okay. (laughs) You take love and care. Thank you for joining the podcast. When the Moment Chooses You is a bi-weekly podcast where I not only discuss my own passion and quest for responding to those destiny moments, but I will also be sharing inspiring stories, tips, and tools as we navigate this journey of life together. As you can see, I will also be interviewing amazing guests and risk takers with stories that seize the moment and transform their lives and those around them. My hope is to share my passion and to build a community around creating destiny moments because every heartbeat matters. Find me on social media and I'd love for you to subscribe to my YouTube channel, like and share as much as you want to. Thank you so much. And what will you do? when the moment chooses you.